morning, good morning. Is anybody excited to be in the house today? Oh, come on, let's get ready to worship the King together. Let's put our hands together. Come on.
want the Lord to be the king of our hearts this morning. We invite you in. Lord, do what you want to do. Have your way in this space. Come on. So let the king of our heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. Because you are good, you're good, Lord. You are good, you're good, Lord. You are good, you're good.
bless him for who he is. We thank him for his presence in the room this morning. We invite him. We invite him in. Lord, we make room for you in our hearts in this space this morning to do what you want to do. Have your way among us.
this morning. Tell them today. To do whatever you want to. I'll sing it out. To do whatever you want to. Yeah. Sing, I will make desire this morning we just make room for the king to rest in this place the first noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay and in fields If you're thankful for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, can you let them know this morning, church? We praise you, Jesus. We worship you in this place. Are you thankful to be in the house today? Come on, are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? Well, it's good to be with you today. We're glad that you are spending some time with us. We want to let yes. you know about a few things, but first off, we would love to say welcome to Vibrant Church. Yes, if this welcome. is your first time with us or maybe it's been a while since you have been here, you are what we call a VIP and you're very important to us. So can we put our hands together for all those in the room and online that are joining us? So great to see you. And Whitney, just by being here, yep. they're making a difference. Yep. So you'll see the card on the seat back in front of you. If you fill out that card, you can fill that out with a QR code or physically turn that in and we have a special gift for you. And on top of that, you're making a difference because we are able to donate money to the Mississippi Food Network in your name. And because of people such as yourself, we have been able to donate 61,000 61, meals. So thank you for being a part of what we're doing. It's an amazing yes. thing. Yeah. Yes, it's amazing. We start off with generosity when you fill out that card and we're right. able to donate. And then also we have some incredible things going on. We so do. We have our young adults group on yes. third Thursdays. That's this hey. Thursday. Let's go. Yes. 
good thing to make noise for. And we yep. have, um, so it's third Thursday, 7 o'clock, yes. Christmas edition. Yes. So you can wear an ugly sweater. If you wear your favorite sweater and people say it's ugly, that's on you. That's you completely on you. That's your fault. That's yeah. completely your it's fault. And we just want to say we're so thankful that we have a church that gives generously. Yeah. Thank you for, for helping cultivate that heart of generosity here at Vibrant. We want to highlight one of the ministries that we are partnering with because of your generosity, and that is Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope. And we are actually, many of you probably heard about the storms that went through Nashville and Clarksville, Tennessee. And we've been able to partner with Convoy of Hope and help with water and supplies and shelter. So just by being generous and even your end of year giving, you're giving to organizations like Convoy of Hope that are making a difference way outside of our state lines in the area and in the nation around us. So yeah. thank you for being a part of what we're doing. That's right. So We have something special going on today. So, so yeah, but before we do, we want to give you a chance yep. to meet and greet, say hi to somebody next to you, give them a high five and we'll be right back. That's my daughter. Like, get back there. Get what are you doing? But hey, anyways, we just wanted to let you guys know that we have an unbelievable kids ministry that we wanted to highlight for you today. So you'll yes. notice kids are starting to come up on the stage. And we have some special things prepared for you. But how many of you are thankful for a life-giving, God-honoring kids ministry? Yes. We have some of the best people. Yes, we have an we have amazing people that pour into our kids back That's there. That's right. That's right, that's right. And we have a special song prepared for you all today. Yes. And as they're coming, we got more coming, still coming down the way. What's going on, you guys? What's going on? How you doing? Oh, ow, that hurt, that hurt, that was good. What's up, Remington, how you doing, buddy? Oh, right there, right there. Come on up, guys, come on up. All right, all right, we almost ready? All right. Can you guys do us a favor and give it up for our kids as they sing you a special song?
70% of them just stared at the screen and <laughs> they did a great job. One more time, let them know how much we appreciate them. Thank you guys. Good job, team. We do like to, if possible, bring them out during the holiday season. It's tough. That's just ages four and up. And uh, so we have a ton of kids in our church. We thank God that you're trusting us with your kids and we're ministering to them at a level that they understand. And my son has, uh, we're going through his Bible, uh, his, as a kid Bible. And I'm not just saying that so many of the stories that I'm reading, he's already heard them here at church. So I thank God for our kids ministry. Uh, today, 
when you came in, you saw all of those Christmas trees with different ornaments on it. I want to encourage you, after service, take a moment and write the names of individuals that you want to come to our Christmas Eve of Eve service that we're going to be praying for them this week and believing God's going to save the lost, heal the sick, and deliver the oppressed. Amen, everybody. And then uh, Eve of Eve is this coming Saturday. Everybody say Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make plans to be here. Service times are 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 8 o'clock. I want to encourage you to get to one of these services. We, we had to add that 8 o'clock because so many people were turning away last year, even in our Easter service as well. And so now we're going to do our best to get as many. Well, that's the last thing we want. Amen? Somebody leaving. So we're going to make as much space as we can. And so we have some additional parking in addition to the parking that we have added. Uh, we have partnered with Allegro on the corner of Holly Hills and 45, and they are letting us park there. If parking gets too tight here, you can park there. We have a shuttle, a vibrant church bus going back and forth and helping people that, that maybe we have to park there. But more than likely, we'll be good, but we just have some backup plans. So don't let the crowd scare you away. We're going to have a great time this coming Saturday. Bring everybody and we're going to have trains, and Santa's going to be here, and, and uh, it's going to be good. And we're going to be doing some candlelight, and uh, it's going to be a great time. And then I want you to also know the next day is Christmas Eve, December the 24th. December the 24th and December the 31st are both online only. So because we'll be doing three services on Eve of Eve, we're going to have that Sunday off. We'll have a video online that Sunday morning so you can join us. And then the next week, December the 31st, we decided to give our teams, our staff, our worship team, our kids team, we want them to have a rest going into the new year. So we will have that final service of the year will be online only. And you got to join us online. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, uh, is everybody clear? So next week, online only. The week after that, online as well. We want to give our team some rest. We'll be strong. And then we'll come back on the first Wednesday of the year to start our 21 days of prayer. So I want to encourage everybody to come first Wednesday. And we're going to have some church in here. And I got a message I'm excited to share. And I believe God's got some good things in store going into 2024. Amen, everybody. All right. Everybody say God with us. So the first week we talked about the shepherds. Last week we talked about the seekers, and today I want to talk about the sleepers. The sleepers. Luke chapter number two, it says, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. We are reading this text. In the last few weeks, I've talked about individuals mentioned in the story. Today, I want to talk about the individuals we don't know in the story. It is the individuals who are asleep in the end the night Christ was born. Last Christmas, 
um, we did our Eve of Eve services, and as many of you know, my wife and I are from Ohio. She's from Alabama originally, but I'm from Ohio, and, and we wanted to get back to be with our family so our, my kids could be with their cousins and grandparents for a Christmas season. And we decided after the Eve of Eve service, which was a million people and a million services, and, and, and we were very tired, but decided that after Eve of Eve, we were gonna get in the car and we were gonna drive north to Ohio. And so Pastor Josiah and his wife, Whitney, who you just saw a few moments ago, they also are from Ohio, and I, and I asked him, hey, listen, can I just follow you? I just got done preaching. I'm gonna be really tired, and so I'll just follow you, and maybe we can change halfway through or something, but let me just, let's follow you all the way to, you know, ended up being pretty much the whole way, <laughs> but, but I asked him, why don't, why don't you let me follow you and, uh, to Ohio, and we'll just have an easy trip. But how many of you remember last Christmas, we had that cold snap come through, and it was eight degrees on Eve of Eve last year. Eight degrees, that was so cold. Well, we had a winter Arctic blast go through the north as well, and a lot of snow and ice. And I called individuals, I called my family in Ohio. The roads are fine, you can make it. Talk to friends in Kentucky, the roads are fine. You can make it. Talk to people in Tennessee. The roads are fine. You can make it. And I'm now certain everybody's a liar. <laughs> because we got in the car after Eve of Eve. We, if I remember right, I think we just ate, we stuffed our face with like Wendy's after we preached all those services. And I was so hungry. We just, we just had food and we were just eating food like monsters trying to drive down the road, getting out of the traffic here. We got on 45, we started heading north, and, and the further, I don't know if you know this, but the further north you go, the colder it gets. And we kept driving and driving, and the roads, when we got to Tennessee, was a little shaky, a little questionable, but we just kept on going. Pastor Josiah never slows down. He's like 50, he's going like 105, two kids in the car on icy road. I'm following him, and I called him, like, bro, you need to slow down. I mean, these are my tax credits in the back seat. We gotta be careful. <laughs> so so we're, we just keep on moving, and we get to Kentucky, and it gets legit bad, and we're not even halfway. And I remember we got so, we got lost in this, like, I mean, down to one lane on the highway. Ice, snow, one lane. And I told, I called Pastor Josiah, and he's like crazy, going nuts. He's like, yeah, we're gonna make it, bro. I'm like, no, you are, I'm not going any further than this. So we started, I told him like, let me just look in these hotels. Well, here's the truth. We started stopping at all these hotels and every hotel that we stopped at, they said, sorry, sir, but there's no vacancy. Every hotel. In fact, I remember one lady, I walked in there and I said, hey, ma'am, do you have any rooms available? I got two tired kids and a wife that's in a great mood, and we are, we are, we just need a place to sleep. Just, is there any room in the inn? And she said, you know, honey, there's a room 60 miles south from here. I mean, they had to call the cops. I beat her up. I'm just telling you. No, I'm making that up. That's a joke. But I got, I was shocked. I'm like, did she just say 60 miles from the direction I just came? So it was 
a horrendous night. We kept circling, going to different exits. We were so upset. And the worst part, here's the worst part of this whole story, is that our windshield wiper fluid had frozen because down south, I didn't know they use a thing called the Southern Blend. <laughs> Come on, anybody know about that? So apparently, and I don't wanna embarrass anybody by name and embarrass Steve Honnell, but when he put it in, <laughs> we weren't thinking it was gonna be eight degrees that Christmas. So it was frozen. And I don't know if you've dro driven through ice or snow, but your windshield can get dirty. I was raised in that, so I'm like used to it. So you gotta have de-icer, like windshield wiper fluid. That's common knowledge the further up you go. But the further down you are, y'all just put water in it, coffee, I don't know. <laughs> Frozen. So we had to stop at a Walmart, I think, and I bought a, like, a spray bottle you clean with. True story, didn't I, Lena? And had to go buy, uh, like, windshield wiper fluid, de-icer stuff, and pour it in there. And going down the highway, I would have to reach out Spraying. Here I am. I'm like, I just pastor. I just preached to thousands of people. People would not believe I got Wendy's on my shirt. I got crazy in my eye, and I'm spraying my windshield in the middle of the night. That's the truth. Saw hundreds of people saved, and I felt like I was going to hell myself that next morning. <laughs> True story, man. <laughs> so I remember being on that exit and being like, how can people sleep? at a time like this. I was so grumpy and so irritated and so upset and being so mad because there was just no place for me and my family because everybody was so tired. They just needed to sleep. And I remember just being so aggravated. How could you sleep at a time like this? <laughs> and I began to think about when I was putting this sermon together how we felt that night and how the Bible says there was no room for Jesus. The savior of the world who has come to heal the sick, save humanity, to set the captives free. God has come to earth. And there was no room because there were sleeping people in the hotels that night. And I think it is true that God is still looking for people and families and homes and churches to fill, to touch, to change, to lead, but he keeps running into sleeping, disinterested, distracted people. Can I get an amen? So as I begin to think about these individuals, I begin to think about sleep and how there are some factors needed for people to sleep. In fact, in this story, these people who were sleeping, you could only imagine their horror a few years later to find out that Jesus was born that night. And they pull out their Google calendar and remember that they had reservations in Bethlehem at that same hotel. Imagine they must have, how they must have felt knowing that Christ, the Lord Jesus, had come to earth and they did not make room for the king of kings. When we think about sleep, you know, they say that there are 4.5 billion people sleeping at, at any time. 
When you think about sleep, there's a couple things people need, and I begin to research, and the first thing people need to, to sleep is they need to, number one, establish comfort. They need to establish comfort. Now, I know there's a lot of us in this room that, that we have done our, our homework on how to be comfortable when we go to bed at night. How many of you are really particular about the mattress you sleep on? Come on, be honest. How many of you got like the, is it, how many of you got like the memory foam? Anybody got that? The, like the pasta, what is it? Pastapedic? The pastapedic. I ordered that at Olive Garden one time. Can I get some of that pastapedic? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say it, but you know what I meant. Or, or, or how many of you need a fan to sleep at night? You need a fan? Yeah. How many of you like the house at like 61 degrees when you sleep? Yeah. How many of you like, like it's just a comfortable room? How many of you got like your perfect pajamas? You got like the Snuggie? How many of you got like a sound machine? How many of you are like 100 years old? Okay, great. You got a bunch of, okay, exactly. It's just sound machines. It's, <laughs> You know, we joke, we have, we have comfort food, we have friends that we maybe call comfort friends or comfort people we're comfortable with, but it's one thing for us to be comfortable in a bed. It's another thing when you become comfortable with dysfunction. When you become, dis, when you become comfortable with, with negative influences in your life. You and I have the tendency to fall asleep in our faith when we become comfortable with living substandard, when we become comfortable living less than God's best for us. You know, I think a lot of people are frustrated with their faith when they realize that faith is not always comfortable. Come on, talk back to me. That, that sometimes following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes... It's hard to follow Jesus. You know, because here's the reality. Before you came to Jesus, you were running the same direction as the devil. But the moment you start following Jesus, you're now going upstream. And, and I, would, I would submit to you today that sometimes it's harder to follow Jesus than it is to follow the world. Because Jesus even said, pick up your cross. Follow me. Deny yourself. What is he saying? He says, narrow is the way. It ain't going to be easy all the time. And sometimes people get too comfortable in their faith. They get upset when trouble comes. And they immediately start thinking, well, I, I love Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. I go to church. I, I have a Bible. I wouldn't think that this would happen to me. But Paul said something like this, that he said, we must suffer many hardships. Many. In other words, it's going to be hard a hard life at times to follow, to follow Jesus. When we are in the kingdom, I've heard it said that we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship. That we're not to be comfortable. Can I tell you this too, just being honest with you, that, that I think the reason we have so many comfortable Christians is because we have so many cozy sermons. We have, we, have, we have so many soothing messages that we don't want to upset anybody. Now listen, I love church. I thank God for our church. I believe church should be done to honor God and to serve the people. But I'm seeing a trend, 
and we have some problems developing in the 21st century, that we've built churches with people in mind, which is a good thing. We need to have excellence, and we need to have follow-up, and we need to have a good kids' ministry, and we need to have a good student ministry. We need to have good sound and lighting and do things, excellence with systems. Because here's the reality. You ain't going to reach a whole lot of people just winging it. So we, we do it with excellence unto God. We thank God for our staff and our leaders and our vision. But hear me, the, if we're not careful, we'll start building church with people in mind so much that the people will start treating church like it's fast, casual food. And if we do it just right, and if they like the service and like the message and the restrooms are clean, we may get a five-star rating on a Google review. Are you still with me? And us preachers have figured out that if you that if you like it, you'll keep coming back. So the problem is, it's now moving from good kids ministry, which is a great thing, great parking, great thing, great bathrooms, great thing, nothing wrong with any of that. The problem is, is when we start getting to the messages to not be offensive. And we try to make people more comfortable. So we start customizing the delivery of the sermons, the content of the messages, so that you and I will just be comfortable and won't be challenged. And as a result, we got a generation of people that are being lulled to sleep by these little tiny sermonettes for Christianettes. Come on, somebody. And we got, we got to be careful because watch this. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the time will come when people won't put up with true teaching. Instead, they will try to satisfy their own desires. They will gather a large number of teachers around them. The teachers will say what the people want to hear. It reminds me of the story of the woman and the husband sitting in church. The preacher notices that the husband had fallen asleep and looked at the woman and said, wake up your husband. She said, well, you're the one who made him fall asleep. You wake him up. <laughs> now listen, I'm not a proponent for beating the sheep. But the Bible does say to feed the sheep. And listen, sometimes we have to understand sermons and messages, they can be comforting but they may not always be comfortable. You know, I, I started preaching, I don't know, when I was probably 18. And when I started preaching, I really loved to hear and to feel feedback from people. I love when the room talks back. I, I, I love a church that feels like it's alive. I, I love when people clap and say amen and say that's good and you're looking great and you're, you're getting thinner. I love it's, anything you say like that would be helpful at any time. But, but listen, what, I, what I've learned is as I continue to pastor, sometimes my favorite times of preaching is when the room is actually quiet <laughs> because that means I may be hitting something that, that they are uncomfortable with. Are you with me? Never in scripture does Jesus condemn people, but he does confront people. Condemnation and confrontation are two different things in nature. To condemn you is to not find is not to help you, but to confront you is to help you and to heal you and to lead you. That's what Jesus did in scripture and that's the intention of the word. When I get up to preach and I rub your carcass the wrong way, 
That ain't my intention to hurt anybody, but I am required by the Word of God to preach in season, out of season, whether they like it or they don't like it, election year, not an election year. You gotta do it. So we find sleepy Christians who have established their comfort. This is the kind of sermons they like. This is, they, they don't, they don't, they're good with not serving. They're, they're good with not giving. They're, they're good with not forgiving. They're comfortable with their gossip. They're comfortable with their crazy boyfriend. That they have decided that this is where I'm at. I'm comfortable. Talking to sleepers today. The next thing we see, not only does, do they establish comfort, the next thing in research I found that you need to eliminate exposure to light. The darker it is, oftentimes the better we sleep. Now, I don't know about you. There may be some of you that, that use one of these at your house or when, you, or when you travel or something. But how many of you have one of these? Come on, raise your hand. Come on. Okay. Yeah, four of you? That's embarrassing. All right, let's, uh, no, I'm just kidding. They, 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 what the idea is, is it blocks out the light, makes it dark so that we can, we can sleep. How many of you have light-blocking curtains? Make your room darker so that when the light comes in, it's kind of shut out, and you can stay in the dark. Here's what, I, here's what I know about sleepy people. They sleep better in the dark. They sleep better where the light is not. And once people start getting comfortable, hear me, the next step is they want the lights out. I'll just turn this one out right now. They want the lights out. They like it dark. Bible even says that men like to play in the dark. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 30, the entrance of your light, the entrance of your words give light. Light. You know what I've noticed? When people start getting real comfortable with dysfunction, maybe comfortable with sin, maybe comfortable with an attitude, maybe they get comfortable in their faith, whatever that is, the next thing they get comfortable with doing is not getting in his word. In fact, I heard Adrian Rogers say it like this, that you treat God exactly how you treat his word. As hard as that is to swallow, let me ask you the question, how have you treated your Bible? Because it's a direct correlation of what you think about God and how you prioritize God. Unfortunately, in our culture today, many of us have traded this light for a blue light on a cell phone. We don't let his word, his presence, our worship, we don't pray. We're, we're not letting that light into our life. Because here's the reality. The word of God can be uncomfortable. It's hard to sleep when the light's on. It's hard to drift off. It's hard to get comfortable with the curtains open and all the lights on. And, and I want you to stay with me for a moment. Like, I was even thinking about this this week in the book of Revelation. I threw it in here for you. Revelation chapter 10, verse 9. The Bible lets us know that John is having a, 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 a vision. He sees an angel 
who represents a scroll that represents the word of God. And he says, I went to the angel and said, give me that, the small scroll. Take it and eat it, he said. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. What he's saying is that when you hear the word in church, it tastes good, right? When you read the word of God, it, it, it brings light. But the reality of it is that once you go from hearing, as James said, to doing, it moves from sweet as honey to your mouth to bitter in your stomach. Meaning this, that once you start digesting the word and letting the word get on the inside of you, it will challenge you. It will make you uncomfortable. It will, it will make you unsettled. It, it will, it's like turning the lights on. It's like once you get the word in you, if you want to keep yourself from falling asleep, open your word. Get on a podcast. Listen to a message. Get the light of God on the inside. I recently read this, this study. The evangelical community was recently recognized that has recently recognized that most Americans own Bibles. In fact, nine out of 10 Americans own Bibles in their home. It's the best-selling book of all time, but a study says that, you know, barely anybody, even professing Christians, will read it. The study says in 2009 from the Center for Biblical Engagement, they issued a report that concluded that people who read the Bible, listen to me, four times a week, four times a week, four separate days, they experience a lot of different benefits. Now, this study came from 40,000 people between the ages of 8 to 80 years old. What they found was the first two days, they didn't see much difference. But day three and four, they begin to see these results. They saw loneliness drop 30%. They saw bitterness drop 43%. They saw anger drop 32%. The tendency for addiction to go into alcoholism, people who are struggling with alcohol, dropped 42%, those cravings. Pornography, the same, 61%. The interesting thing is that when you and I let the light of God in our life, we also see that sharing with faith with others goes up 228%, higher odds for us to share our faith. Discipling others, 231%. Memorizing scripture, 407%. What is this study telling us? It is telling us that when we let the light in, the light changes us. That we can't sleep when the light is on. That when the word of God is just not a book of rules and regulations, the Bible says that the word of God is quick, living, and powerful, meaning it is breathing. Every book I have is fossilized thought, but the Word of God is a breathing organism that breathes life into us and brings light into our life. Are you with me today? So I would encourage you, when you find yourself in a dark season, you find yourself starting to move toward the dark, you start finding yourself wanting to turn the light off and getting comfortable. Maybe you're living with discouragement. Maybe you're dealing with difficulty. Maybe you're dealing with things in your business. Maybe you're dealing with things in your marriage or your children. Let me just encourage you, grab the Word of God. You don't have to know the whole thing. Find a verse if you have to. Put it on, on a card. Stick it in your mirror and quote that verse to you because what you're doing is you're bringing light to a dark place.
Once we let the light in, things begin to change. It's interesting, as I begin to study on sleep, I, I ran across this thing that talked about our pre-sleep stage. Um, it's what they call the slowly letting go process of the day, that, that twilight moment when you, are, you and I are going to sleep, there's this thing that starts to happen and we start to let go of the, the world we're conscious of, we start to drift to sleep. It says, it is in this period that the brain, watch this wording, progressively disengages from the external world. Listen to me, not only do we need to establish comfort when we want to sleep, and not only do people eliminate exposure to light, but what begins to happen is they begin to experience progressive disengagement. They begin to detach gradually. They begin to drift away. They begin to move apart from things where they used to be focused on and committed to. At first you were engaged. At first you started strong. You were focused and excited, but now there's been some progressive disengagement. Marriage starts like that, doesn't it? You're dating. Every time he calls you, you're excited about it. And over time, it's like, is that Joe? Let it go to voicemail. <laughs> because progressive disengagement. Same thing happens with our faith, that at one season, I know I'm talking to somebody, that you were excited. You were in your word. You were, you were sitting close to the front. You were worshiping God. You were clapping your hands. You were serving. You were, you were giving. But, but over time, it's been some progressive disengagement. You got a little comfortable. You started dating people you shouldn't date. You started talking ways you shouldn't talk. You started living ways you shouldn't live. And as a result, you turn the lights off. You started getting comfortable in the bed that you made. And now what happens next? Progressive disengagement. Paul told the church in Galatians, or in Galatia, he told them, you started good. Like you started on track, but now you're not where you used to be. The book of Revelation says that you left your first love. I know we're living in a time with schedules and sports and uh, with so many things going on, but hear me today. How can we sleep at a time like this? Distracted, drowsy, sleepy. The Bible actually teaches, it's one of the most horrifying verses, I believe, in the Bible where it says our conscience can become as seared with a hot iron. Some of us have slept so long, been drowsy for so long, we've become numb to this place. That no longer do the songs stir you, and no longer does the word awake you, and no longer do things excite you because you've lived so far, so long, distracted. This is what I would say to 2023 churches today. This is what I would say to believers, including myself, that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, came to earth to fill us, to touch us, to lead us, to save us, and we're distracted. We got better things to do. We got, we got more going on. We, we're good. 
It's almost like we're sleepwalking. You can function, you can talk, but you're asleep. My mom used to sleepwalk when we were kids. It would scare the devil out of every one of us. She would come in and tell us, take out the trash, clean up the house, like two in the morning. <clears throat> Here's my point. We knew she was sleeping. I don't know if she knew she was sleeping. I think if somebody came in, they wouldn't know she's sleeping. I think a lot of us in this room can fool a whole lot of people. We don't know you're sleeping, but he knows you're sleeping. You, you, you're in here today, you're dressed up good, you got your Bible, you look cute, but here's the reality, you've drifted off a long time ago. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, in closing, I'll share this with you, chapter five, verse six, Paul tells this church, so be on your guard. Not asleep like the others, stay alert and be clear-headed. Notice he says, stay on your guard. Meaning, your pastor can't guard it for you. Your preacher can't, can't wake you up. Your mom and your dad, your, your cousin, your kids, your wife. No, 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 this is your responsibility to stay awake and don't sleep like everybody else and stay alert and be clear-headed. I was recently reading an article, I never heard of this, it's called The African Sleeping Disease, where these bugs in Africa, that were small, and in certain parts of Africa, these little bugs would bite you. Uh, the, the, the physical sickness that would come on people would be insane. They would get severe headaches, personality change, weight loss, irritability, loss of concentration, progressive confusion, slurred speech, seizures, difficulty walking and talking, insomnia at night. And here's the big thing, they slept all day. When this started coming out, if people were to be bitten by this bug, it was like a 90% mortality rate. People were dying right and left from this disease. And so I began to study it. I went to the World Health Organization website and began to read on this disease. And they were saying that they're, they're getting better. They've progressed in technology to the fact that now there are some medicines that help people recover. They've taken some actions to prevent people from being bitten by this bug. But I was reading, thinking maybe there's a vaccine, maybe there's some, maybe there's some spray, maybe there's, they said there's nothing, watch this, they said that it's, it's easier to treat than it is to prevent. There are no vaccines, there's nothing to prevent the bite. There's nothing like this, there's nothing that can prevent you from being sick from this this bug. So I started to read what they can do in Africa to protect themselves from this bug. I'm thinking, there's got to be something. You know what they said? I'm telling you, this is on the WHO website. This is what it said. Stay away from the bugs. I was like, makes sense. So you're telling me these little bugs that can destroy you, make you sick, kill you, the highest informed, educated people of the world said, stay away from the bugs. They started talking about stay away from certain bushes, wear certain colors, you can go read it. Talked about a net. The whole premise is stay away from makes you sleepy. 
Stay away from the thing that if you're bitten, affects your life. Hear me today. I think that's what Paul is saying in Thessalonians. He's, he's saying, be on your guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert. Stay away from the bugs. I think some of us got bed bugs. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Something has got so many of us drowsy. And I was thinking about this story I heard years ago about the Welsh revival. And it was in 1904, a man named Evan Roberts. I don't know if anybody knows him. In church history, he's kind of a, a big deal because he was a revivalist that God used to save many people, change many lives. Well, one day he's at just a regular service and a little girl, about 14 years old, gets up and she says at the testimony service, this is all she said, documented, go look it up. She, she got up in front of everybody and she said, I just wanna say, I love the Lord with all my heart. That was the end of the, her testimony. She sat down and in that moment, Evan Roberts was in the room and something in him woke him up. Something in him just stirred him. And I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how to, to, to articulate that. But he says in his writings, it's at that moment, God woke me up. It's like the preacher, Evan Roberts, had drifted off. He had become professional or whatever, and he found himself in a bed with the lights off, comfortable, progressively disengaging. But in a moment, in a service, like right now, a little girl stands up and says, I love the Lord with all my heart. And it woke him up to the point that it stirred him so deeply and so greatly that he began to pray one prayer over and over and over again. Not only pray the prayer, taught his church to pray the prayer. They began to sing a song, and it was really simple. It was these words, Lord, bend me. What an odd term. I've never heard anybody pray that. What he was saying, Lord, don't let me get comfortable. Don't let me get in that bed. Let me not get into 10 years of serving God and become a nominal Christian. Let me not just look at the word of God as just another book to collect dust on the shelf. Bend me. You're the potter. I'm the clay. You're the master. I'm the servant. You're the king. I'm just following your orders, and you are in control. You can wake me up. Don't let me sleep. Don't let me slumber. Here's what's happening. We have too many Christians sleeping, too many marriages sleeping, too many teenagers sleeping, but God brought me here this morning to tell somebody there's an alarm clock in heaven and echo the words of Ephesians that says, Awake thou, O sleeper. The other day I was cleaning out an office and found an alarm clock. And I just put it on the side and Judah walked up there and he said, hey dad, can I, can I have that? I'm like, I don't care, he can have it. Takes it up to his room, he plugs it in. The next day, I'm walking out of our room and the kids are still asleep and I hear an alarm going off. Ah, ah, ah. 
like, what is that? And I remember Judah has that alarm clock over the room. I go up in there, open the door, and I look, and that alarm is just going, ah, ah, ah. And I look over at Judah, and he's, I thought to myself, isn't it something that you can sleep through something like that? How could you sleep at a time like this? Here's my heart for you today. Some of you have been sleeping through the alarm. Heaven's been trying to get your attention. God has used people. God has used his word. God has used, God has used so many tactics to try to get you stirred up, to wake yourself up. Because if God would, he, he would have. If God could wake, he'd wake you up. He's waiting on you to stir yourself up. As Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift on the inside of you. Wake yourself up. Get out of this place. If you will, stand with me all over the room. I would hate to know that this Christmas when Jesus came the first time, he had no, he kept hearing the words like I heard in Kentucky. No vacancy, no vacancy. My prayer is that this Christmas, he doesn't hear that from your heart. No vacancy, no room, no place. I'm just comfortable. I want to sleep. Don't disturb me now. There's no room here, Jesus. But my prayer today for you is the same prayer they prayed over 100 years ago. Lord, bend me make me uncomfortable if you're bold enough to pray a prayer like that at Christmas time and say God you know what I thank you for the gift of your son but my gift back is flexibility you can bend me you can make me uncomfortable you can stir me again come on I need to talk to somebody in this room that you've been heavily distracted and today God's trying to wake you up again can I pray with you all over the room with eyes closed if you're honest today you'll say Pastor Ethan I've just felt so distracted so busy so I've been comfortable I've been a little too complacent a little too at ease in my faith I just want you to do me a favor it's between you and heaven but last service so many hands went up I just need to ask you if you are saying God I've been a little too comfortable I need you to help me if that's you come on raise your hand to heaven raise your hand to heaven thank you for those hands thank you for the honest hands today thank you for the honest hands I love it I love it can I pray with you today that going into 2020 for you're not going to sleep no longer that it's time for you and me to wake out of that bed get up out of this comfort and say you know what I'm going to shake myself of this sleep I don't want my comfort to keep me from my calling I don't want my comfort to keep me from him speaking to me the best for my life Father I pray over every man woman boy and girl in this place I pray for every sleeper in this house that has found themselves drifting off, 
has found themselves comfortable, found themselves disengaged and disinterested. And Father, I pray that this Christmas we are reminded that you came to fill and to touch and to heal. But I pray in the name of Jesus, vacancy, openness, flexibility, discomfort again. That they'll step out and say, God, any, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Fill my heart. Fill my marriage. Fill my mind. In Jesus' name, come on all over this room. Give God a big praise. Come on, shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls. Come on. Break down, make things uncomfortable. Why? Because your way is better. Your way is higher than my way. Come on, let's sing it all over the room. away from him let me pray with you today this is the greatest day of your entire life don't ever leave a room don't leave this place if you don't know Jesus if you're not sure where you'd even go if you were to die this afternoon can I tell you we got to sure that up you got to say yes to Jesus once and for all you got to know that he's your Lord and Savior and he loved you and he died for you let's pray this prayer together if that's you I want you to join me in this moment say dear God forgive me of my sin Wash me clean with your blood. Make me new today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big praise. Are you happy to be here today? Listen, we're going to give you the opportunity to give on your way out. Our prayer team is coming. They're joining me across the front. My wife and I will be down here praying with people. If you need prayer for anything, Make your way to the front. We'd love to pray with you. You got situations going on in your life or your marriage or your kids. You want to stand in for someone that you know and love that may not be here. We would love to pray with you as well. Vibrant Church, I hope to see you this coming Saturday. Father, I thank you for this church. I pray a blessing on them. Let there, let there be not enough room for them to receive what you want to do for them and through them. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you this Saturday. God bless you.